we have coconut, we have beeswax, we have soy, we have all these different waxes. Um, but paraffin, in my opinion, contains toxins that I don't want in my home. I don't want those toxins. I don't want to be affiliate, affiliated with the petroleum industry. Hi, guys, and welcome back to the Mind Body Planet podcast. This week on the podcast, we are talking with Alejandra, who is the co-founder of Everly Candles with her mom. If you haven't heard of Everly Candles, then let me tell you about what is sure to be your newest obsession. Everly Candles are essentially refill pouches of candle wax. So you know all those old candle jars and vessels that you don't know what to do with when they're all used up? Everly lets you refill up those old vessels so you don't have to participate in all the waste that comes with buying a new candle and then throwing away the old jar. In this episode, we're talking about how growing a sustainable business has also reflected in her personal life, the differences in candle wax. Is paraffin wax really that bad? what kind of candle wax you should be looking for, the vast amount of information surrounding fragrances and which toxic chemicals you should be looking to avoid, and of course, advice for anyone who is interested in a sustainable entrepreneurship journey. Ale is the definition of a chic and mindful entrepreneur, so I hope you will get a lot of good information out of this episode. I know for me, I've been so much more mindful of what sort of candles and fragrances I've been using in my household, but let's get into this week's episode. Hi, Ale. Welcome to the podcast. Hey, Chris. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so happy and excited to be here. Yeah, I'm super happy to have you on. I've been looking forward to this for a while now, ever since like we met like a year ago, I guess at this point, huh? Maybe six months ago? I think it's been a while. It's definitely been a while. We've been following each other on our journeys. Um, I know like offline, we were chatting about just like the new start to our journeys. And it sounds like this new chapter of both of ours kind of started around the same time. So yeah, I know. Super exciting. Um, but before we get into today's conversation, I want to start with this week's favorites. Do you have any that you'd like to share? I have two favorites. One is really silly, but it's like little moments. So this is a big deal, but my husband and I bought our first home not that long ago like three weeks ago. Um, and obviously that's like a year favorite, I would say, or even more, but we just bought our couch and I know it sounds so silly, but we're just so excited to move in and start making it our home. And so, so it sounds like something minor, but it's just so exciting to start kind of building the home that we want. And, you know, we're planning to have a family at some point. So really, really to start creating that home right now moving forward. So I would say that's definitely was a highlight of my week that happened on Saturday. How about you? Oh my gosh, that is so exciting. Uh, I, uh, I just love like the feeling of when you move to a new place and everything's like a blank canvas and you get to just decorate it the way that you want. And, you know, we're all humans so we all like ebb and flow based on like what styles we like and which ones like we don't like resonate with us anymore. And it's like the coolest thing ever to be able to just like make something that just feels so empty and then fill it with all of your favorite things. It's like a magical feeling. I know. I'm so excited. So the couch is just like a white canvas to your point. And then I was driving by an antique store earlier. And I remember my friend's wife is like one of the best decorators, like interior decorators in in Canada, I would say. And he was, he's always been telling me like, when you need to buy furniture, go to that antique store. So I'm actually really excited to go shopping for antiques and just like furniture that people maybe don't love anymore and making fun stuff with it like in the true 
true like you know sustainable way as well like kind of filling our home with with those objects that can can use like the second life I would say oh my gosh that's so perfect that's a perfect segue into my favorite thing for the week and it's secondhand shopping I've been like really 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 into going to like thrift stores or even just like Facebook marketplace and then scrolling through like all these things that people don't want anymore and some of the items I look at I'm like why wouldn't somebody want that like it's the most beautiful like antique piece and they're selling it for like 20 bucks on Facebook you know it's like one of my favorite things I'm super into like home decor and I'm not very good at it but I like to think I am I'm sure you're (laughs) fine I'm sure you're fine but I actually really (laughs) like that idea of like taking something and just turning it into what you want there's this friend of mine her name's Lindsay she has an account called the rural legend on Instagram and that's all she does she goes thrift shopping and she and it's mostly like furniture and home decor and then she'll like turn the objects into the most fantastic things I've ever seen. Her home is beautiful and it's all like do it yourself. So definitely check her out if you're trying to do a little bit more of that, which I hope to bring into my new home for sure. So I'm excited for that. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. I feel like I kind of go through phases. Like I went through this very like minimalistic phase where I was like, I don't want anything on my walls. Like everything needs to be neutral. It needs to look like an adult home. And then in the last like month or so, I've been like, I just miss having like the fun in my house to like look at things on my desk and like smile because it's just like a funny little cute little thing. So I've been trying to incorporate that more. So I have like my little like coffee stuffed animal on my shelf or like my mushroom. (laughs) Just little things that like make me smile. I love that. I love that. I'm so tired of all like the bland stuff. It's your home. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, it needs a little love and character. So that's my goal for for the next couple of months is just reintroducing some character into my life. I love it. I love it. I love that. And I think we get so lost on like having this perfect Instagrammable aesthetic, but it's your home. Should, should be what makes you happy and those little things that make you happy. So I think that's totally fair. Yeah, absolutely. Um, did you have any other favorites for the week? My other favorite for the week is something much more simple, but I can't remember if it happened this week or last week, but it doesn't matter. But it's just like, so it was raining in Toronto and I'm pretty sure my cat's always been an indoor cat. She's like a fluffy white cat. Um, she's very fancy looking, but she's not very fancy. <laughs> like she, I, you know, you look at her and you're like, you look so fancy, but then she'll like eat a mouse. So, <laughs> kind of weird. um, but it started raining in Toronto and I don't think, so she's always been an indoor cat. I don't think she's really spent that much time outdoors except for the condo that we live in now has a patio. So she's been spending a lot of time outdoors like the last three years that we've lived in this condo Ooh. and she loves it. Her favorite thing is waiting for me in the morning to make my coffee and she'll like meow at me to like go upstairs and open up the doors to the patio and have coffee outside with her. And she like rolls around in the grass and like in the in the ground and just loves it. It's her favorite thing. It's our, our, our little morning routine that we do every day. It's very sweet. But the other day it was raining and I usually don't let her out when it's raining. I just left the door open. She was just like staring and I went downstairs. I'm like, I'm not going to go have coffee outside because it's raining. Um, but she keep she kept coming down the, downstairs to meow at me, kind of to get my attention. And I don't know if I actually communicate with my cat, and I'm like one of those weirdos, but I think that I do. But anyway, I went upstairs, and I realized what she wanted was for me to go outside with her in the rain. Like she was just like trying to explore the rain, but she was scared. So I took her outside with oh. me. I held her. 
And she was kind of just like, did not understand what was happening and maybe a little bit scared, but then got used to it and then put her down. And then she ended up spending like a lot more time in the rain by herself. And it just kind of was the sweetest thing ever to feel like there's this creature in my life who's experiencing things for the first time ever alongside me. And it was just very sweet. So that was a nice moment. And my husband and I want to make a baby at some point soon. So I feel like maybe that's what motherhood will feel like in the future. Just, you know, having a little extension of you that you, that experiences life for the first time alongside you. So it was very sweet. Yeah, that is so sweet. I, I'm not a mother, but I have three dogs and it's pretty chaotic here all the time. But then my niece is four and my nephew is one and a half, about 18 months now. And it's like, it's, it's, yeah, it's very much so like that. Like just from the outside looking in, obviously I'm not like their mom or anything, but just as like an auntie, like to hold like my nephew or my niece and like he sees a flower for the first time or feels the rain or we were at the zoo this past weekend and he like starts to like use these words. So he'll like point and be like, oi, oi. (laughs) It's like just so cute. I love it so so much. Okay. Let's hop into today's topic. So obviously we, we know your favorite things, but please introduce yourself for anybody who isn't familiar with you. And then I also would love it if you could talk a little bit about Everly as well. Yeah, for sure. So hi, everyone. My name's Alejandra, and I'm the founder and CEO of Everly. Um, Everly, we're a candle company on a mission to clean up the candle industry. The candle industry is notoriously wasteful and toxic. Um, Most candles are made with toxic ingredients, such as paraffin wax and fragrances unregulated by the FDA. So my mom and I set off on a mission to clean that up from an ingredients perspective And after selling multiple candles to multiple consumers and then the same consumers, we realized that it was so wasteful to be selling the same jars over and over again. So we completely stopped what we were doing, took a full year of R&D to think about how we could continue building this brand, but in a more sustainable way. And in October 2022, so basically last year, almost a year from from, from today, we launched our new product, which is basically our clean candle refill kits that are meant to be used to refill any candle container at home in under five minutes. So that's our our product. Um, We went live with it, like I said, in October, 2022, and it's been a crazy fun time. And, and that's how we met Chris. So Chris, thank you so much for having us. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Ever since I tried Everly, like my life hasn't been the same. Like they're my go-to candles. I use them for everything. I refill all my old candle vessels. It's, it's the best and they smell amazing. Like I, I absolutely love, love Everly candles. Thank you. That was like a big thing too. So for, for me, like I was, I've always been interested in clean eating, mindfulness, sort of like the whole wellness thing. I mean, kind of to touch on your podcast, Mind, Body and Planet. Um, the planet, I would say, came a little bit later in life to be completely transparent. And it's funny because the more I build Everly, the more sustainable my whole life becomes. So it's, it's really interesting. But on the mind and body part before the planet. So really was like this non-toxic living aspect. 
and I loved candles. And one day it was really just having an epiphany of, oh my God, like, what are we inhaling in our candles? Um, and after doing some research, you know, learned about all these nasty ingredients. So wanted to make a clean candle, but working with, you know, what we always think of as clean ingredients, which usually for scents are essential oils, wouldn't give me the smells that I wanted. So it took me a really, it took us a really long time to figure out like, what is that perfect formula that's going to be clean and non-toxic, but also smells like the candles that you love. So thank you for the sense compliment. That's a, that's a, that's a huge compliment. And that's sort of a big achievement to have, to have created like a clean product that also smells amazing, smells how your candle should smell. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I feel like there are some candles that are made with essential oils and they, they just don't have that like same like scent power that you get with like a regular candle. So I totally hear you on how that is definitely a challenge. Yeah. And then also, sorry, not to throw out your, throw off your bullet points. I told you I love tangents. <laughs> okay. So I'm sorry in advance, but this is a good point. So essential oils, we're, we're going to get really nerdy right now on like just fragrances and essential oils but essential oils are great they're great for diffusers they're great for you know so many different reasons and yeah they are more natural but the other side of essential oils is that some people can still be allergic to an essential oil so that's not necessarily the best solution when you're wanting to develop like a non-toxic product and then on the sustainability piece um if you think about for example if we're trying to make rose essential oil like how many roses and rose petals does it take to make like a one ounce um, essential oil? It would take a lot. Mm -hmm. So from a sustainability perspective, it just takes a lot of raw material, which is not really great for our planet. And just for context, for one candle, one candle of ours, which is about 10 ounces, it would be one whole ounce of essential oil. So we also realized it's just not the most sustainable route as well. Yeah, that's interesting. I, I want to touch on that uh, a little bit on the fragrance side of things, but I also want to touch on something else that you said a minute ago. You said as the brand is continuing to grow, you've realized that that's reflecting in your life as well in a, in a positive way for the planet. Can you talk more about that parallel? Yeah. So I don't know, things like I posted something about my nail polish the other day, but I used to be the girl with like the beautiful long nails, like my entire, not long, not super long, but like always with gel and like perfectly manicured and beautiful nails. And I'm not trying to shame anybody here. Like I still, I'm a girly girl. I love my nice nails, but I recently learned that most nail polish is made with plastic. And so the nail polish, like specifically like your gel and your acrylics and all of that, um, you've gotten a manicure before with gel or acrylic? Yes, I have. Uh-huh. Okay. So, you know, you know, like when they're rubbing it off, sometimes they use like this machine to rub it off and all those things that are going in the air, those are microplastics. So again, like this might be like a small little thing that I'm doing and it's maybe not going to solve climate change, but I kind of just had this little epiphany the other day of like, why am I doing that? Like, why am I a putting something on myself that probably isn't healthy for me, but also really contributing to this issue. So um, yeah, one of my latest examples is I bought this nail polish, but it's like a non-toxic nail polish that doesn't have plastics and it's better for the environment. So Little things like that. Another thing is I started using um, like reusable cleaning supplies around my house that are also non-toxic. 
So one example that I discovered is this brand. They're called Guest on Earth. They're awesome. Um, But they have this all-purpose cleaner. They sell this beautiful aluminum container. And they sell you like tiny little concentrate refills that you can, they're like about this size. You add them in, you mix them with water, and then you basically have your new all-purpose cleaner. So that's sustainable in two ways. Like first, their containers are way smaller. And then they're e-commerce. So when you think about just like carbon emissions with shipping, weight contributes a lot to that. So they're removing the weight from products. So they're not shipping heavy products. And again, these are small things, but ultimately like say if everybody were doing changes like this in their lives, like we could have a, a big collective impact, right? There's so many other examples. I don't want to bore you, uh, but like composting too. It was something that I, you know, I've been trying to do it my whole life, but I never did it well. And like, now I'm like, I'm always asking my Alexa, Hey Alexa, can I compost this? Hey Alexa, can I compost that? And so like, I've really just been learning a lot and I don't know, it's weird. It's like, makes me happy and it makes me feel like I'm living in alignment with my values, which makes me happy. So it's been, I don't know, it's been really cool. And I do think, well, I I, I do know that that's been because I'm building a brand with sustainability in the forefront. And so it's just being be hyper aware of, of everything. Mm-hmm. I love that. I find that so interesting. And it, I love that you bring up nail polish because that's something that I used to do as well. Like I was very into gel nail polish. I always wanted my nails done. And then as I continue to learn, I, I actually, I don't even really wear nail polish anymore. Normally only for like special occasions. And I buy like um, like the, you know, the free from the seven free from there's like a term for it. That's like the non-toxic yeah, nail yeah, polish. Yeah. And, um, my nails actually have never been this strong in my life. Like they're actually so in much better shape than they ever were whenever I was consistently getting them done with like gel. And, uh, I just, I think that's like something to say too, right? Like, I I stopped doing all the bad stuff and now I'm like healthier and better off for it. And you wouldn't know that because once you start getting your nails done. A million percent. Yeah. Once you start getting your nails done, it becomes a, a habit thing. So you don't even realize that it's affecting it in a negative way until you totally like take it out of your life. And then you're like, oh, actually, this is better for me. It's pretty crazy. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's super crazy. And it's like the struggle of like, how can I be chic and sustainable at the same time? But there's so many so many solutions and so many brands are making great strides mm-hmm. in that direction. So I do have this one cool nail salon here that has sustainable values, which I find super interesting because I live in Texas and that's not like the biggest thing here, like it would be in like other cities. Um, but yeah, there's one place and they have everything there is totally non-toxic. And they even, when you get your nails done, normally like a pedicure, there's like water in the tub for your feet. They don't do the water. Yeah. It's completely waterless at their facility. And Oh, cool. Yeah. And a lot of it's for water waste and things like that. So it's not like all the, you know, chemicals and things that would like normally get drained into the water system and stuff. And I find that really fascinating. I mean, that's great. There's a big movement and there's people like, it's cool to care. Mm-hmm. And it's chic to care. And, you know, there's sh- people out there who care who want their nails done and they should be able to get their nails done in a sustainable way. So yeah, I think that's great. But there's businesses that are focusing on really bringing that to their operations. That's amazing. Yeah. Okay. I want to bring it back to Everly, your business. So growing a sustainable brand and how it's evolved, has that been difficult the more you learn? 
you know, when you start a business and especially like in this industry and you're like, I want to do the best by the business and I want to be sustainable and I want to do this and that you have an idea of what sustainability is and then you start learning more and more and more and things that you thought were you were doing that were sustainable maybe aren't super sustainable. So I think it's the most important thing about building a business in this space is just keeping keeping an open mind that maybe what you thought was good at, at one point maybe isn't and that you need to shift. So, mm. um, you know, with that, with that said, for example, like one of the things that I'm really looking into is our packaging, like our packaging right now, it's compostable, but it's not compostable in some places. And it's, you know, it's kind of confusing to customers. And so, you know, when we launched that, the intention was let's create something that's going to leave zero waste behind, Um, Mm -hmm. you know, and then you commit to, for example, when you're new, like when you're buying packaging, for example, you commit to buying the minimum order quantity from the, the manufacturers that you work with. And those are big minimums. So it was just an example for us. That was 10,000 pouches, um, for our candles. So that means the next order that I place for candles, I need to go through 10,000 candles as a new business before I can put in another order a purchase order for new packaging right so right now i'm in the process of looking for a new packaging partner i've already found one and this packaging provider like it's just a lot less confusing um the way to compost the product's a lot more straightforward it's easier to process um and we're moving in that direction but that was i would say probably our biggest challenge was committing to things that you know and then having to shift but having to wait until the right time to shift because you don't want to be wasteful, right? And like throw out 10,000 pouches because that's not really solving the issue. Like I can't just like snap my fingers, make that disappear and shift to new packaging. That would be even worse than just running through that packaging and then upgrading once we're done with that. So I think the battle internally in my mind has been difficult to be like, okay, like what is the right thing to do? And And so what we've tried to do to mitigate that is just like building transparently and in public. Um, And, 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 and that's something that I need to lean into a little bit more as well of, Hey, like audience, you know, you know, people who (laughs) are community members who support us um, and just communicating more and being transparent about that. So it definitely has been challenging. I think another challenge is, when you think of your margins as a business owner, which like you said, you became a full-time content creator recently and you're thinking about all these things as a business owner and ultimately whether you have the best intentions in the world, like I want to be a sustainable business and non-toxic and I want to work with artisans and not buy my stuff overseas. Ultimately, you need to have a business that's operational and you need to make money so that you can keep investing in your business and grow it, right? If you're losing money, guess what? You're going to be out of business in a few months or in a few years, or if you raise a ton of money, which we have not, you know, if you raise a ton of money, you can keep earning money, but then eventually you're going to have to make a profit. Right. So thinking about all those things and the truth is that sustainable things are oftentimes more expensive. Mm -hmm. Getting our products made in Canada, everything's made in Canada, more expensive, everything sourced sustainably more expensive everything sourced clean and high, high, you know, like sourcing our containers, for example, they're all handmade by uh, potters and ceramic artists that are local. 
those are expensive, you know, like I, I know that I could have gone and I talk about this a lot and I have no, nothing against Alibaba. Okay. So anybody listening who has a business that sources things from overseas through Alibaba, that's fine. That's just not the way that I wanted to do my business, but I did get samples for our containers. I did think about it. I did consider it. I think it's important to consider things as a business, but ultimately like my heart just did not feel in alignment with getting something overseas that I could source locally and support local artists. Mm -hmm. So every single one of our containers is handmade by a local artist. They're meant to be pieces that you want to keep in your home over and over again. But the truth is it's, it's really hard to scale that and the margins aren't great on our containers, you know? So I think that is also one of the big challenges is really balancing out your values and your business objectives. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. I feel like you really, that's a vulnerable side of things, right? Cause you don't want to admit, Oh, it's, it's actually a little bit difficult trying to build this, this sustainable brand and not have to sacrifice values and actually source local and, and do what's right for the planet and for my health and wellness too. That's, that's hard to admit. So thank you for sharing that. No, of course. And yeah, I will say like, as you know, now, cause you're a business owner, it's just like building a business is hard. Yeah. It's really, really, really hard. That's why there's not a lot of, you know, like it's very few companies actually succeed. And I'm not saying that, Oh, we're so big and successful now. And we're like, it's, we're so early, right? Like to me, the brands that are successful are the ones that of course they're profitable. Like they, they, you need to be, but also are living and operating through their values. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So I like to consider you as like an expert on candles, since you have all this research on manufacturing and creating this beautiful Everly brand. And I want to talk about candle wax, because there's all this information out there about like paraffin wax, there's soy wax, coconut wax, isn't that one too? Mm -hmm. And beeswax. Can you talk more about like the different waxes? Like, and is paraffin wax like really as bad as it seems? There's a lot of, um, I feel like I'm going to rub a lot of people the wrong way with what I'm going to say. And there's a lot of um, just conflicting information out there. But my personal, this is my personal opinion. I'll just start off saying that. Um, so most candle manufacturers work with paraffin wax. Paraffin wax historically has been the wax that is used for candles for many reasons. One of the biggest reasons is that it's very easy to work with. It's very easy to blend your scent into it. It gives a good throw. A throw is when you light your candle and it smells, that's the hot throw. When your candle's not lit and you smell it, that's the cold throw. So paraffin wax emits the best throw. It is produced at a mass scale. It's a byproduct of the petroleum industry, and it's very cheap compared to the other waxes that are out there, right? We have like, to your point, we have coconut, we have beeswax, we have soy, we have all these different waxes. Um, but paraffin, in my opinion, contains toxins that I don't want in my home. I don't want those toxins. I don't want to be affiliate, affiliated with the petroleum industry. And when I say things like that, I get a lot of lashback. Like you're the shirt you're wearing. I've gone comments like this on social. I think it's funny, but you're the shirt you're wearing is a byproduct of the petroleum industry. I know we can't be perfect. Like I know that we have ways. We like we have like 
so much work to do to completely like separate us from the petroleum industry. If that's even possible, I don't know. I'm not an expert when it comes to that stuff is the truth. But me for my product, I don't want it in my products. I don't want it in my home. I don't want to be burning something that is a byproduct of the petroleum industry. Um, so that's why I decided me, when I started working with candles, I'm like, I'm going to work purely with coconut wax and a little bit of soy. And the blend, there is an argument that soy is not the most sustainable. I won't go into that exactly, but for me, that's why we primarily work with coconut and with a little bit of soy wax. And that gives us a good blend for us to have still like a good throw using natural ingredients. So that's what we chose to work with. Um, so is it as bad as people say? My gut feeling is that it's yes. Like I don't, I just don't want to put petroleum on my body. And if you think about it, like your candles do emit stuff in the air. Um, so the fragrance that you're burning, it's going to become, it's going to, it's going to create a gas that's in your home and then the, the, the wax as well. Um, so yeah, I would say, I would say nasty, maybe try not to do it and opt in for, for coconut or soy. If you're very, very sustainable, opt in for a candle that works more with coconut, I would say. Okay. Good to know. So coconut wax is probably the better one to look for if you're out looking at candles. I would say coconut and soy, both of them. It's, it's hard to know where people are sourcing their ingredients from ultimately. Um, so from like a non-toxic perspective, I would say coconut and soy. And then beeswax is, is amazing. But obviously for the vegans out there, that's not going to be a good solution. Beeswax is great though, because it actually removes toxins from the air. It like pulls in toxins. So it's a very neat one for that. But for candle makers with scented candles like us, it's a hard one to work with because it doesn't give you the best scent throw. Okay, question for you. If you're looking at candles, I feel like a lot of times I see like coconut blend, soy blend. Does that blend mean that it's blended with soy plus coconut? Or is that a way for people to hit the term, oh, we use soy wax, but we're blending it with paraffin as well? Do you know that answer? I do know that answer. Um, both. So for us, we use a blend, but we use a blend and our blend does not have any additives, which means it doesn't have anything that's going to make it like smoother or burn nicer or anything. We're literally just using coconut and soy wax and we're transparent about that. But I feel like it's like saying like Lord Voldemort's name, but Bath and Body Works, they who we shall not name, um, they use their blends. <laughs> so I recently did a post I think on TikTok about this they have like an essential oil line which they say work with essential oils if you actually look in their ingredients it's just that's the typical greenwashing story you look into their ingredients which you can find online and you will see that besides essential oils yes they have essential oils but they have fragrance in there which there's nothing wrong with fragrance but don't lie do you know what I mean that you can mm -hmm. formulate fragrances to be clean so my point is that's deceiving. They're saying that it's just an essential oil candle. And then you look at the ingredients, essential oil, soy wax blend. Look at the ingredients. It says fragrance. And then you look at the ingredients for the wax and it's going to be paraffin wax. So also when you're looking at ingredients in food and in anything, the first ingredients is all, the first ingredients are always the ingredients are in the highest quantity. So if you see, for example, soy wax blend, and then you look at the ingredients and it's like first wax is paraffin. That means most of it is paraffin. And then there's soy and then there's coconut and there's like all the additives. So there's definitely lots of different things out there. And one of the biggest issues with this is that it's not regulated by the FDA. 
this is an industry that's not regulated. Fragrance industry is is unregulated as well. I would say like worse than the waxes are the fragrances. The fragrance industry is unregulated by the FDA. They're considered fragrances are considered trade secrets, and so nobody has to disclose what's in their fragrance. And it could be a list of like thousands of chemicals. A lot of those are bad. I love it. I find it fascinating because there's so much information about candles out there. It's really hard when there's like this he said, she said kind of mentality out there. It's like you don't really know what to believe. But if you're in the industry, obviously you would know more about it because you this is your life. You know, you you know what to look for versus what not to look for. Yeah. So it's, it's tough. And it's also very tough to disclose all your ingredients because you don't want somebody to just come and copy your fragrances. You know what I mean? So it's kind of a weird sort of territory. So when I started formulating Everly, I was like, okay, like I have an idea of what clean is, but I really want to make sure that I'm abiding by the standards that these retailers have, because I want to, I want Everly to be in these retailers and I want to abide by their clean standards. So we looked at everything and we were, we were when we were formulating our, our ingredients from the wax to the fragrances, that was something that was really taken into consideration. So um, Detox is, is amazing. That's where I shop for all my beauty products. They're online and they have stores in like New York, Toronto, Vancouver, LA. And we they have an accelerator program for, for I think they, they committed like a million dollars over a period of four years to accelerate BIPOC owned beauty brand so Everly and Latina so I guess I fall, fall under that so when I launched the brand I applied to the program and I honestly thought it was a stretch but we got accepted and we just graduated last week and so the whole program the mission the, the purpose of it is to accelerate our growth and to get us into their retail stores so hopefully more news on that soon but we should be launching with them at some point uh in Q like Q3 if not Q4 um, but yeah, that just speaks on the ingredients of our formulations, even if we're not disclosing exactly like the full ingredient list of the fragrances. Yeah. Okay. Well, everybody, you heard it here. The detox market is the place to be. Ooh, ooh, ooh. It totally is, Chris. You should need to check it out. Yeah, I definitely do. I was thinking last time I was in New York City, I think my friend's apartment complex was right next to one. And I, I think I walked in there. I think that's the detox market. I'm pretty sure that's where I went. Yeah. And I didn't know what it was at the time. Yeah. And so they have this big focus. They have this big focus right now. So their first, their thing was clean. And now they have a a really big emphasis also on bringing in brands that are more sustainable. So like you'll start seeing like a lot more of like the refillable concepts and no waste, et cetera, et cetera with them. Oh, that's so amazing. That's incredible. I'm excited for you. Um, Okay. I want to talk about fragrances. This is something we've kind of like hinted on, but I really want to get your take on fragrances and your, your thoughts behind that realm in candles. Can you talk more on that? Yeah. So fragrances are super interesting. I'm not even going to talk about essential oils right now, but you have so many different types of fragrances and fragrance oils and everything. So really the thing to look out for without going on like a crazy chemistry tangent right now is you don't want to have fragrances that have phthalates and parabens. Phthalates and parabens are going to be, you know, things that conserve the fragrance or, you know, additives and things like that. So 
there's a list of so many other <laughs> so many other chemicals that we don't want in our fragrances but i would say like if you can if you're scanning quickly like make sure that that's not a thing i personally for my body would rather use essential oils so yeah like right now in my life like as far as fragrance on my body like i wear it very rarely and i'm very careful with which brands i wear and if i'm not careful it's actually funny because tom ford's very expensive but i was given a perfume from you know tom ford perfume and you would think expensive means high quality ingredients and maybe not bad for me which i mean they are high quality ingredients in the fragrance of the world but that doesn't necessarily mean that it's not bad for you but this fragrance that i love it's like a lavender fragrance i wear it and i'll like break out on my chest not like a crazy breakout but i'll get like little like red dots when I wear it and it's a direct correlation to the fragrance. So it's like I've detoxed my body for long enough that now when I do wear those fragrances, my body kind of reacts. And at some point in my life, my 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 body wasn't reacting. So I do think that you know you kind of like go through this like period of detoxing and then your body kind of just like is shocked whenever it encounters it again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel like that kind of goes back to our nail polish conversation. Like when you stop wearing it and then you wear it again, it's it's a similar feeling. So do you have any advice for somebody who is wanting to be more mindful of, you know, the kind of wax that they're going to be using in their candles or the fragrances in the candles or on your, your their bodies? But something that I run into is I can't find a, a transparent ingredient list. Do you have any advice for somebody on how to kind of get around that? Should they just not shop those brands that don't have transparent ingredients? That's really tough. That is really tough because I also understand the brands, you know, like specifically when it comes to like the fragrance situation, just because it's something that I'm encountering too right now. For me, like the answer would be like going and shopping from places like Credo Beauty, the detox market and some other retailers that do that work. Like, for example, to be in the detox and to be in other retailers, sometimes they ask for the full ingredient list from these brands. So they're already doing that vetting work, but they're doing it in a more private way. Everybody should have a grain of salt. Greenwashing is so rampant because I think sustainability is a little bit trendy right now. People want things that are clean and green. And I think brands are acknowledging that and trying to use it to their advantage. And it can be really easy to just believe something with blind faith rather than like actually doing the work and understanding if it's true or not. Yeah, I think that's the best advice It's definitely don't believe everything that you read and do research. And then you can always email the brands. Like if people mess- message me, like I always reply, we always reply. We have a blog post specifically on our fragrances where people can find like all the information that they want. And if it's not enough, we're always an email away. So I would say do your research, maybe take some a little bit more time and some like, you know, you don't get that like immediately immediate release of dopamine of just like clicking the purchase button, you know, and it's like delayed gratification, but doing your research and getting in contact with the brands, I think that's really important. I think a really big red flag is you message a brand and they don't give you an answer. It's like, that's weird. Okay. We've talked about a lot of really amazing things. We've talked about wax. We talked about fragrance. The other thing that I want to mention is that y'all are also 1% of the planet. And that's not something we've talked about on the podcast before, but I know that's a pretty big deal to be a part of that. Can you explain what that means for people who aren't familiar with it? So 1% for the planet is actually an organization that was founded by the owners of Patagonia. 
Patagonia is awesome. They've kind of been into the sustainability game before anybody else was. They've cared. They've had this like market where you can buy like where you can resell your clothing and purchase like old vintage Patagonia stuff. They're just so cool. But anyway, they started this organization called 1% for the Planet. And it's their way of giving back. And basically what we do as a brand is we pledge 1% of our total sales to 1% of the planet. That means 1% of every single dollar we make is sent to 1% for the planet. And I just want to be clear that it's not from our profits, that it's from like our total, total, total sales for the year. And they distribute that amongst different NGOs that are um, in the sustainability space and the environmental climate change space, um, you know, fighting our most like pressing environmental challenges. So that's what they do. So basically their work goes into vetting all these organizations and making sure that the money that they're giving them are going to the projects that they say that they're going to. So it's almost like a container that filters everything and, and, and does that work and sends and distributes the money. Um, it's a network that we are part of. It's amazing. And we're so incredibly proud to be part of that. Before we even launched the brand, that was something that we were like, I don't care if we make a dollar this year or a million, like we're going to be 1% for the planet members because we need to give back and we need to put our money where our mouth is. That's actually so inspiring. I hope somebody can listen to this and and think the same thing and want to be a part of 1% of the planet and, and give back to their communities in the way that you know, as a business, your community gives to you. So it's a way to kind of give back in that sense as well. Um, I want to end the podcast episode with just if you have any advice for people out there thinking about going down a similar career path, what would that one piece of advice be? Um, take your time. I think one of the things, I don't know, we, we all live in such a rush and it's like, I want to do this now and I want to do that now. This is not my first business. When it was a crowdfunding platform, um, it was very difficult to raise money for that. In tech, it's kind of you have to raise money. It's just really hard to do it without raising money. So that didn't go too far, but that's okay. It was a great experience. Then the second one then was shifting into the sustainability space. I actually had an e-commerce company. Um, Imagine like the detox market, how they like curate all these clean beauty products. We basically were a retailer for a bunch of different brands that had sustainable products. Um, And... I was just so eager to be an entrepreneur and to launch something that I did things so quickly and I made so many mistakes along the way. And the biggest mistake was just doing things too quickly and not taking my time to really think through things strategically and et cetera, et cetera. So one of our biggest learnings was, oh my gosh, it's so hard to merchandise multiple products. My biggest piece of advice is take your time, like really take your time, find a problem that needs solving solve it. And if somebody's already solving it, solve it in a better way. And don't go crazy, like especially in CPG, which is the industry that I'm in, which is consumer packaged goods. You don't have to launch 300 different products. You can launch one product. Like we have one product with multiple SKUs. That means we have one product, which is our candle refocus and multiple SKUs in different scents. That was my biggest learning from my first business to this one was super focused. Be the best at making that one product. Once that product does really, really well, maybe consider other products, but maybe you don't have to. Maybe you can be a one product wonder. So that would be my biggest advice. And then the last piece of advice is, and I'm not trying to scare anybody with this, but especially in this economy, like consider not quitting your job for a little bit. There's nothing wrong with building something as a side hustle and then turning it into your first hustle. 
So with my journey, like I actually was very burnt out. We spoke about our agency jobs earlier, Chris. So I was in the agency space. I was a managing director for an amazing agency. They were great. My clients were like Fortune 500 companies. It was a super glamorous job, but I was so burnt out. And I had to quit my job to launch this. Creatively, I was just like in such a mind, sorry for my bad language, but like I was in a mind fuck like of, of a space. I really needed to quit my job and I quit my job to launch a really but then this year, like three months ago, no, six months ago, I don't know, at some point this year, I took a job with an amazing company that is super aligned with my values. So they're like a CPG company focused on, you know, boosting up brands in the natural and sustainable space. The CEO's super into sustainability and super aligned with, you know, I'm super aligned with their values. So it's like a dream to work for them. They know that I'm a founder and they support me as well. It is very, it's, 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 it's amazing that I found that. And I'm so grateful for that. But I guess my point with that is I'm building as I have a full-time job and that's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. Like don't get distracted by people out there who have raised a ton of money, who are saying all these, their achievements on LinkedIn and on social media. Like a lot of what we see is just smoke and mirrors. So take your time, build slowly and sustainably and there's no rush. And I'm always, always, always open for a DM and 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 an entrepreneurial conversation. Like, I love that stuff. So that was a very long list of advice. It's great advice, though. Thank you for sharing. Can you also please share where people can find you as well as Everly? Yes. So we are tryeverly.com on our website where you can find all of our products. And then also our handles for TikTok and um, Instagram are also tryeverly. Everly is spelled E-V-E-R-L-Y. Amazing. Thank you so much for being on the podcast. We talked about so many wonderful topics today. I feel like it was just jam-packed with such helpful information and advice. So thank you so much for taking the time to be on the podcast and being here today. You're so sweet, Chris. Thank you so much for having me. This was a true pleasure. I've been loving following your journey and I look forward to continue seeing you grow and and hopefully we can, you know, maybe have have podcast recording number two in a year from now and see where we both are. Yeah, I know. Ooh, that'd be cool. Like a before and after. Where are they now? Okay, we've made it to the good climate news. Today's article is Pacific Garbage Patch is teeming with life, an ecosystem older than plastic, but no one saw it. The article goes into detail about the Great Pacific Garbage Patch, which is notorious for being the island in the Pacific Ocean that's just an island of floating garbage. And when researchers were out there, they noticed that there's some life on it, some particles of life. How exciting. Isn't that kind of neat? So now there's all this debate on, well, if there's life living on it, can we get rid of their ecosystem and all that stuff? So that's what the article is talking about. It's very fascinating, very interesting to know that life can live on this giant island of floating garbage. So if you're interested, I will link that in the show notes. And As far as the podcast goes, that is this week's episode. So thank you so much for tuning in. You can find the podcast on Instagram at MindBodyPlanetPodcast. You can find me, Crystal and Geyer, at Crystal and Geyer on YouTube, Instagram, and TikTok and threads and pretty much every social platform that there is. You can find me on it at Crystal and Geyer. 
If you've made it this far and you like all the good climate news, I have a newsletter as well. It comes out once a month on the first of every month. It's just my Mind Body Planet newsletter talking about all things sustainability for your mind, body, and the planet, of course. So I'm going to link that in the show notes as well for anybody interested. It's just a fun little monthly thing, like a little warm hug on the first of every month to kind of remind you like, hey, here are some little tips to better your life and the health and wellness aspect. And then also here are some good climate news things that are going on, or here's just, you know, what's trending in the space. So it's just a great way to kind of keep up with what's going on in the world. I like to condense it all down for everybody and then throw it into a newsletter. So that way it's easily digestible because there's a lot of information out there. Let's be honest, but that's all I got for you guys this week. I will see you next week, Monday morning. Bye.